Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, Joanne. Good morning. Good morning, uh, Sal. Um, welcome to the Empress of Biz. We're already recording now. So, um, <laughs> I love the new technology. Uh, so, we're going to s- swing right into our uh, show. And I just want to uh, welcome you. Sal Acosta is a business broker. And Sal and I have had um, many a conversations on different conferences. Uh, different subjects, and uh, I affectionately call him the Duke of Business while I am the Empress of Biz. But, uh, so, I was doing some research on this subject. You and I, on another show, actually got involved in talking about this, about what happens when people of a certain age, let's say over 40, gets laid off, or over 50, gets downsized, right-sized, whatever the new terms are, uh, fired, uh, company is sold, reorganized, and all of a sudden the um, the person who has had a, a good job, mid-management or uh, upper management, is no longer ha- has that job. And even though we're at high employment right now, there's some secret things in this un- this employment rate. Uh, I was looking at it. I don't know how many people now are holding second jobs. I think it's estimated now that 40 43% of Americans have a side hustle, uh, something that they're bringing in additional uh, money to or preparing themselves for one of those days that you're right-sized, downsized, or uh, fired or laid off whatever the term is. So when I was looking at the jobs that were available for those of us who are, what, over 50, the uh, while there are some jobs available, there's not a lot of jobs that are, that a number of people get, get. Uh, I was looking at the statistics from the Urban Institute, and 1.6 of people looking for jobs end up with the type of job that they had before, CEO or high-level management. That's not a lot of people, and you and I have been talking about that. So today's topic is going to be about an option, an option that you need to look at before you spend all your money and time trying to get that available job that only 1.6 people get that um or and it, it's hard and you and i both have had friends that have gone through this where things were good and then things are not so welcome to the show and uh 
Thank you for being on today, and let's talk about um, what you do and what's the option besides um, looking for that job that only 1.6% can get. <clears throat> well, thank you, Jordan, for, for having me on the show. Um, so as, as mentioned very quickly, I'm a, I'm a business broker. I help people uh, buy and sell businesses, small businesses, what we would consider, you know, consider Main Street businesses, anything from uh, 10 to 250 employees and anything with a revenue from basically zero to about 10 or $20 million maximum. Um, most of the time I, I represent the seller, but there are about 20% of the cases where I represent the buyer. And within that, there is a significant uh, proportion of cases uh, that are exactly what you described. Um, it's a person uh, typically 40 to 60 years old uh, that may have been a middle manager or even a high-level manager at, uh, at a, a normal company, a Fortune 500 company with a traditional career. Uh, but they got let go. A lot of times, no fault of their own. It was a, a restructuring, downsizing, reduction in force, whatever you want to call it. Um, and these folks usually try to find themselves uh, a similar job. Uh, and, and we can talk this, about this a little bit later. But usually the, the normal knee-jerk reaction is they'll try to find themselves a job similar to what they had before, uh, same level, same compensation, same industry for uh, one, two, or three years. Um, and after they come to the realization uh, that that's not going to be a, a realistic proposal, then they come to me uh, uh, deciding that they want to be a small business owner. Um, so I, I see a lot of those cases in, in what I do. Okay, you see a lot of those cases. I'm aware that you went through a similar cycle, uh, and you decided um, very wisely to get into business. What did you go through so that people know that you know they can relate to your story and you understand where they're at? Sure. Well, I had a long career in, in manufacturing, uh, worked for uh, what were at the time because I started uh, back in 1985-86, and, and so I started working with a, a lot of the companies uh, in electronics manufacturing that were really top tier at the time. Just to mention a couple of names real quick, um, Hewlett-Packard, Motorola, Lutron Electronics, uh, ABB, uh, which is your European company. Um, but after many, many, many years in, in electrical and electronics manufacturing, uh, one, the, the, the facilities uh, continued to be moved overseas, whether it was to China or Mexico. And, and in the very last case in particular, um, it was the same thing. There was a corporate restructuring. My facility got sold. Um, and at that point, from a personal perspective, um, I had to make a decision about what to do. If I wanted to con uh, continue in manufacturing, specifically maybe electronics manufacturing, um, I was, was going to have to go overseas somewhere, whether it was China, Mexico, again, India, Philippines, whatever the case may be. Um, so at that point, I, I took stock of, of a couple of things. Number one, how old I was. 
I figured I still had at least one more good round left in me. Um, number two, kind of what I knew how to do and what I liked to do and what I could get paid for doing. And, uh, you know, I was also somewhat financially secure at that point. Um, and then that's when I decided uh, a couple years ago uh, to become a business broker and, and, and use those skills that I had learned throughout my career in manufacturing, even though we got involved in doing a lot of deals, um, and use them for the benefit of small business owners, which quite honestly, uh, because they're small business owners, they, they, get, uh, they don't get a lot of attention. They don't get a lot of love from, from the investment bankers, the bankers in general, you know, some of the professionals. You know, they, they try to deal with more of the bigger deals and quite honestly ignore the uh, sort of mom and pop uh, businesses. So I, I thought there was a market there. Uh, that I could help, and, and that's kind of my story and how I got involved. <laughs> okay, so what you did was take advantage of, very smartly, uh, having gone through the ups and downs of uh, the change in how we manufactured, you decided to zero, to zero in on a market that, while neglected, makes up a large share of the U.S. economy. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, we we all know small business is, is a driver of employment. Um, it's it's a driver of you know small towns and, and main street businesses and, and things like that. And so I know you're you're a big fan of this. Quite honestly, a lot of times they are the uh, the unsung heroes because they just keep their nose to the grindstone every day and, and and run their little business and. And yeah, and unfortunately, they're they're ignored by by a lot of sectors of, of the rest of the economy. <laughs> yeah. So, how long have you been doing this now? Well, I have been at it um, independently because, like I said, I, I did do a lot of this stuff in in my official sort of professional career, but um, on my own independently for seven years. Okay. So we, when we talked. And you mentioned in your uh, beginning words that often someone who is in mid-management or higher, they're used to parks, they're used to, um, they're used to a certain standard. So they spend a lot of time looking for that. And I think the latest statistics are saying it takes about 18 months to get that, if they do. In the meantime, they may have had a settlement, they may have not, or it's, not, it's the settlement is often used quickly, and they're busy. And I can think of a number of people that, that from bankers on that you know, have kept on out there trying to get that job where they had been. And that doesn't always work. So when they come to you, are they in good shape to buy a business? You know, that is uh, one of the things that, that pains me the most and, and, and makes me sometimes sad about the type of work that I do because typically the answer is no. Um, to your point, um, a lot of these folks that are in middle management or even higher levels, they, they've accumulated a nice 401k 
sometimes they get some type of severance package. Uh, but they try to use that money or they do use that money to maintain their lifestyle, by the way, um, for one, two, three years uh, while they try to look for this job. And, you know, sometimes they're successful, but to your point, uh, a lot of times they're not. And then what happens is by the time they come to me, uh, they have the Hello? No, go ahead. Um, they had uh, depleted that capital that they originally had when they left their employment. Um, and also sometimes, by the way, people that have had um, fantastic credit scores while, while they were working, uh, now there's credit scores shot too. So, so now we're looking at an individual that may have a, a you know, a great background from a professional perspective, from an academic perspective, uh, but they have no money and they have no credit score. And uh, quite bluntly, that makes it uh, very hard to buy a business. They're close to impossible. Okay. So all of a sudden, they, the collateral, the money, the, um, the net worth that they have has been depleted. And while they have the experience and the ability, uh, the banks uh, do not, to the, well, they want, they want something to guarantee their loan. So that starts to make buying a business difficult. Am I correct? Oh, uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, again, just a very, very, very rough rule of thumb. Um, you know, for, for whatever purchase price you're planning to buy a business, you should plan on somewhere between a 10, 20, 30% down payment. Um, so, you know, that could be a significant amount of money. Um, again, banks look very, very closely at, at your credit score. That's another one. And, and sometimes, again, without getting too deep into the weeds or in specific cases, people that may have had um, some equity in their house because they had a nice house, because they had a nice salary, now all of a sudden they've depleted the equity in that house also, so the, the house is, is, is not a good collateral anymore. Um, and also maybe one final point too, <clears throat> because banks like to see people that have um, experience in the industry, but sometimes their prior professional background may not necessarily align with the type of small business that they're interested in buying. Um, so that's another kind of strike against them. Um, and, and then again, you start putting the, the, the whole picture together, and quite honestly, it's, it's not very appealing to the bank or, or, or even to a, uh, to a business owner that, that was willing to do some type of deal. You know, they're going to consider the same things. They're going to consider, you know, this person doesn't have any collateral, doesn't have any down payment, doesn't have a good credit score, doesn't have experience in my industry. Is this the type of person that I would want to do a deal with and, and let them take over my, my baby if I'm the business owner? And uh, so, you know, you, you kind of have a difficult time from both sides. <laughs> okay, so... And a lot... <laughs> So the banks don't want to be your partner the, because um, they're not in the job to be your partner. They're in the job to make money. 
the business owner is wants out. A lot of times, they're you know they they that's their retirement. That's what they have you know they have, rightly or wrongly, they have built the business up and may not have built up their taken advantage of the benefits that are offered tax benefits that are offered to them. What I mean by as far as pension plans, what's what's available, and they see selling this business as their retirement. So they're not wanting to hold paper. They're not wanting, to, they just want out. Uh, so that's a scenario that uh, it's kind of hard to make uh, a deal. Yeah. No, absolutely. And um, maybe to try to pivot a little bit to, to making some suggestions to, to avoid uh, getting into the situation and, and painting yourself in, in a corner. Um, and, and a little bit of, of, of this is, you know, ego, psychology, and, and risk management, right? But I would encourage people that, that are listening that uh, may think or, or may suspect or want to guard against being right-sized at, at an inconvenient time in, in their life, uh, to do a couple of things. Number one, if it does, you know, think about the process ahead of time so that when it does, you have some idea of how long you're willing to wait out for that job and then when are you going to be pulling the trigger on trying to buy that business um, while you still have the financial resources, the financial wherewithal to do it, while you still have good collateral, while you still have good credit score, while you still have all these things that we've been talking about, um, and recognizing that, again, it, it, it goes to a little bit of, of, quite honestly, emotion, ego, psychology, in the sense that the small business that you buy uh, may be very different from your professional career. You may have been a a banker, a lawyer, a CPA, again, a middle manager, a high-level executive that went to work every day in a, in a suit and tie with a white shirt and, and cufflinks, and, and now you're buying a business that, you know, may be a, a retail store on a Main Street or a butcher shop or a, or a quick lube, um, you know, operation. Um, you know, if, if that's what you're willing to do and that's what you're interested. So, so you know, have some delimiters and say, okay, listen, I'm going to look for a job for three months. I'm going to look for a job for six months, maybe even a year. But then if that doesn't happen, my backup plan is I'm buying a business and I'm still in good shape to do that. And analogous to that or in conjunction with that, I would say while, while you still have a job and we're still employed, start developing a relationship with a business broker, okay? And I don't mean necessarily to go to a business broker and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm employed, but I'd like to buy a business like this, like that. Keep an eye out for me. Um, I'm just saying more, start developing a relationship with a broker that you like, that you trust, that can understand your needs um, so that when you do become unemployed, you have that resource available to you because not every business broker is going to be the right fit for you, um, and especially when, again, you're a high-level professional. Um, I was talking to a great friend of mine in, in a different city that, that had a very similar situation to this 
when he went to the, 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 the broker, the broker basically said, well, you know, give me a list of zip codes and, and I'll see what I have available. And he wasn't treating him and recognizing him as, as a high-level professional with, that was very educated, very capable, that wasn't going to buy the average type of business that he may have had in his portfolio and that needed a little bit more of individualized attention. So again, make sure that just like with a doctor, just like with a lawyer, just like a psychologist, any other type of professional, make sure you're, you're doing your homework ahead of time to find one that fits your needs and, and that's going to be able to work with you well when the time comes. <laughs> All right, I'd like to add a, a point because one of my students who became a client uh, was a um, work for the government, and he um, he became fascinated by a a business which he was very good with. Um, he was good with supervising people. He was good uh, in the maintenance department. He supervised a lot of people in his maintenance department with the, with the government. And, but he wasn't good in sales. He found this business that he liked, and and I said to him, okay, you know, this business depends on bringing enough people in to keep all the rest of this guys. It was in and repair and selling um, uh, selling tires and a full service garage on top of it. And I said, you got to get your butt in there and work. For nothing, <laughs> almost choked. But I said, go in there and see. You know, on your vacation, on your days off, on your weekends, do you actually like this? Because the front person makes all the difference. I had worked with several uh, businesses that had built up very nicely. That 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 front person keeping that garage. If you have eight or ten mechanics, and you have. Uh, a certain nut to to crack, you had better have the personality to get the people in to leave your cars. And he had, you know, so he actually worked. And then I said, and get your wife there because uh, there's going to be days that you're actually going to have to be in back or you're going to have to be running. You need someone in there that you can trust. You can, and so I had his wife uh, also going in there. And they ended up making a, a purchase, and it was a it wasn't a cheap purchase because this owner had a very successful business. It was, um, you know, it was a, a million such, such. But um, that's one way, you know, he found out because he worked at it for more than well a year plus, and the business is still successful today. But if he hadn't done that, um, I think he would have been absolutely overwhelmed with trying to keep uh, uh, eight bays busy and mechanics busy uh, six and a half, you know, six days a week. That was hard. And to bring in the customers and to deal with all the the changes that he had to deal with. Have you had anybody that's actually gone in and worked a business like that uh, beforehand? Yes, and to be honest with you, I'm going to also maybe tie in something that, that happens sometimes that makes that even more important. <clears throat> um, 
unfortunately, and this is just the reality of life, I'm not saying this is right, this is wrong, but a lot of times you have a business that the financial statements and even the tax returns don't represent the real reality of how the business behaves financially. And I'm going to leave it at that and, and try to say it that way diplomatically, and uh, hopefully everybody understands what, what I'm alluding to. Um, a lot of times that's enough for a potential buyer to uh, get scared and say, okay, I don't want to be involved in, in this type of situation, and, and that's fine, and then going off to, to look for something else. As, and as their business broker representing them, I, I, I wholeheartedly support them in that decision, but a lot of times they don't. Um, and then at that point, uh, one of the things that, that, that I recommend and they do is exactly that. They go into the business uh, for a period of time so that they can actually see the money coming in, the money going out, and they develop a level of comfort around what the business potential and the financial potential of this business is, which could be truly different from, again, what was uh, captured in the financial statements and the tax returns. So, so that's kind of a special situation where this is incredibly important. Uh, but independent of that, it's always good to do it, and, and maybe I'll, I'll mention a, a couple of other things too. Um, for small businesses, the organizational dynamics and the interpersonal dynamics may be very different from working in a much larger, larger organization and also sometimes a larger organization where everybody is, you know, sort of a professional level person. You know, when you're the owner of a small business, uh, you're embedded in there day to day and, and you may be called upon to do things that you didn't have to do in, in your prior professional life. For example, looking at somebody straight in the eye, one of six employees, and saying, hey, you know what, I'm sorry, but, you know, you're just not cutting it, you're not a good fit in here anymore, or the business has declined for whatever reason, but I need to let you go. Um, and you, as a small business owner, need to be comfortable with that. So um, even though you're not going to be doing that when you're in there working, um, you know, maybe even for free as, as one more employee, it's, it, it gives you a window into those dynamics so that you can become comfortable with these roles and these responsibilities when you do become the owner of the business or you decide that it's really not a good fit for you. And, and again, you have to look for something different. So, I mean, I, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> right. It, it, it does. One of the things that, um, you know, as a small business owner, and I've, I've been there for a long time, is that you may be the person going to the bank and you may be the person taking the customers out to dinner or, you know, uh, things, doing those nice things that you did as a manager with a corporation or as a CEO or something. But all of a sudden you, you come in in the morning and you may be the one that is um, emptying the garbage. <laughs> you, know? you wear many different hats and you have to be comfortable with that. Uh, you know, I had a banker who decided to be a baker and he it wasn't sitting behind the desk and telling people what to do. He found out that he had to sometimes jump, jump into a delivery truck and go and deliver uh, that day's order. 
he had a lot of different things that he had never done. Uh, and that was a, a major shock to him. That was, um, he um, really hadn't expected those type of things. Now that's kind of the uh, thrill for those of us who are entrepreneurial spirit is you never know what the day is going to bring. And while you aren't always thrilled with the labor, it's the different challenges it brings and the things you have to do that make a difference between those who who, uh, choose to be in small business and those who are coming from, uh, you know, the other side of the world is what I call it. <laughs> and some people make it and some people don't. Uh, yeah, so, no, Trent, you're, you're absolutely right. And let me just say this, too. Um, when I engage with and, and represent a buyer, I have a long questionnaire that, that I go through. <clears throat> and part of it is exactly that. Um, you know, are you willing to get your hands dirty? Are you willing to do blue collar work? Are you doing, you know, are you willing to move boxes and pallets and do deliveries and, and even take care of customers? I mean, you know, behind the counter, um, you know, some people that are very high level professionals just uh, either don't have, quite honestly, the temperament, the personality, the skills, or don't have the interest or, or don't like being behind the counter as, as an example. So, I think, you know, from my side, as, as a broker, I try to ask those questions. Um, from the individual side, they need to do a little introspection um, and try to come up with a, a very, very honest answer. I mean, some people make the transition wonderfully, by the way. And, and to your point, they enjoy it. They get a kick out of it. It's a thrill. That's what, you know, they, they like getting up in the morning to do that as opposed to going to a desk and a computer. But quite honestly, others don't. So I think you have to be very honest with yourself, do a little introspection. And by the way, if the answer is no, that is fine too. There's businesses out there for people that are not interested or willing to do those types of jobs. Um, we just need to make sure we know where we stand and what we're looking for, and, and that allows me to help you the, the best possible. So, um, you know, if we're, again, for people that are listening and, and thinking about all this, um, keep that in mind. Be honest with yourselves. Be honest with your broker uh, because you want to end up with the right business for you. <laughs> Most definitely. And one of the things I want to add is that it's real important for you to actually sit down and do a, a personal financial statement. Uh, I mean, have a real in-depth look at your assets. Um, and that should be for everyone, uh, whether uh, whatever stage of, of their working life they're in, they're in. Because you know, how much debt do you have? Can you reduce that debt? How much can you reduce that debt? Uh, is all those things that you do worth the money you're spending, or do you need to cut your personal spending? Uh, sometimes it, it's, um, how do I want to say this? And in an, in, an, in an attempt to keep up with others and keep up the image, you're spending way more than you need to spend. Uh, and when push comes to shove, all those um, 
fancy lessons and fancy uh, things aren't dollars in the bank. And I've been known to tell family, well, guess what? You're going to, you're going to survive, <laughs> you know, if you don't have world class skating lessons because you're not a world class skater. <laughs> um, and that's surely I get that job instead of the family doing it. But it's really important to say, you know, at any given time, something financially can happen. And I need to know where I'm at, and I need to know, and my family needs to have a part in this to seriously take a look at it so that we aren't blindsided. Um, and that, you know, it's a possibility while we're on full, full employment at this stage, or many people holding two or three jobs. And that definition of full employment is um, somewhat questionable when people have to hold two or three jobs to keep things going and they don't have uh, the perks that uh, many people do. So that's, that's where I start. And you have to be pretty brutal with yourself and the family has to be, okay, we need to survive economically and we need to... Uh, we need to have at least a year as a backup that we don't have to go into our retirement savings or go into the college savings or go, you know, we honestly need to take a look at this and make sure that we're financially solvent. Um, that's, that's my position. Do you work with them that way? Oh yeah, absolutely. You you hit on on a lot of key points that I'm just maybe gonna summarize and, and emphasize some of them real quick because I, I, I think they're so important. Um one point is and, and they're all sort of also a little bit sort of interrelated and intermingled. Um one of them is sometimes there are situations where again the person had a really, really nice salary because they had a, you know, a, they were fairly up the, the, the food chain within the corporation. And now this company that they're looking at for, what, the small business that they're looking to buy for whatever reason, either because it's what's available, it's what they like to do, you know, whatever the case may be, but the cash flow of the business is much less than their salary that they had in, in their corporate life. Um, so that automatically means uh usually means there's going to be some type of lifestyle uh adjustment or, or reduction because the money coming into the bank account to your point is to spend on, on fancy uh skating lessons or piano lessons whatever the case um is going to be much less and also where there's a huge difference is is also in benefits. I mean, you know, again, you know, people that work for these Fortune 500 companies like I used to do, they get all kinds of benefits, you know, health plans, 401Ks, IRAs, bonuses, management bonuses, performance bonuses, stock options, this, that. I mean, typically all of that goes away with your run-of-the-mill small business. And then that also brings me to a sort of a, a correlated point is make sure you have a very honest conversation with your wife and your family 
And, and your point may be even take it as far as, as doing a, a personal budget or a family budget uh, because going from this high-level executive position to the owner of a small business may, may require some adjustments. Um, and it's better to be upfront with that and have a plan on paper than just kind of muddle through it as, as it happens. Um, and also, by the way, and I, I never forget about this because this is so important, and again, both for the both, both, I want to emphasize that, both for the individual and the spouse and their family, there may be some psychological and social issues that they have to deal with. Uh, for example, when they go to the cocktail party prior, they may have said, hey, um, I'm Joe Smith, I'm vice president of blah, blah, blah at XYZ Corporation, and everybody knows XYZ Corporation, and it's recognized, and it's great, and it's fantastic. And now you may have to say, hey, I'm Joe Smith, um, you know, uh, the, the corner butcher or the owner of the Christmas store or the owner of the barbershop or whatever the case may be, the owner of the quick loop. Um, and let's be honest, you know, there, there's a psychological impact for that. And also your wife, by the way. Your wife may be used to saying, or your spouse may be used to saying, oh, you know, my spouse, my husband is a vice president at XYZ. And now she may have to say, oh, he's the owner of the, you know, corner or whatever, perfume shop. Um, and some people can make that psychological transition, and, and some people struggle with it. So... So, you know, don't forget to look at, again, both the, the financial aspect and the sort of psychological, emotional component to, to this transition. Yeah. And you hope your husband will be able to make the adjustment when you're no longer our CEO. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. One of the things that... Um, so, what we're... To do a summary, because we've been talking over uh, 40 minutes, is that... Um, one of the things that I'm coming from my uh, point of view is that the economic stability of of yourself and your family always has to be, when I say in question, you need to be on top of that. You need to be looking at, okay, what if happens? Because what if does happen? Uh, and so that to survive the what if, actually may bring you to a much better side because there is a lot of tax advantages to owning your own small business and um, there's a lot of uh, psychological benefits and social that uh, you, when you're a business owner that uh, you don't have when you're in corporate. But you need to be aware of where you're at financially at all times so that you're not at a risk. And what I'm hearing you say is that people need to to start looking at, you know, the what if, if my dream has been a business owner, instead of waiting till the crisis hits, they may very well want to sit down with you and talk to you earlier about the whole process and what kind of shape they need to be in. Oh, absolutely. Like, like, like everything, uh, my, my theme is always, the sooner you can start talking about these things, making relationships, making a plan, the better off you are. And by the way, let me just make a quick point um, as we start to, to, to wrap up. Um, and this is not to scare anybody, but, but two quick points because I've, I've seen them myself. Uh, 
One is just because your company is very successful, okay, and some of these companies are public companies, so you can go on the Internet and get all kinds of annual reports and financial statements and blah, blah, doesn't mean that your particular location is going to continue in business indefinitely. A lot of times I've seen it where uh, somebody's working at a particular office, a particular location for a very successful company, but they still decide to close that location or that office. Um, has nothing to do with the, uh, the big mothership being uh, financially successful, financially solvent. They just decide they don't need that operation, that office, that location anymore. Uh, sometimes they offer relocation, more benefits, less benefits, some type of financial package, whatever the case may be. But you still end up without a job even though uh, you're embedded within this much larger corporation that's doing very well. So be careful with that. Um, and the other one is we've had an unprecedented number of years of the economy doing, doing very well. And, uh, you know, everybody's still saying that 2020 is going to be a good year and so on and so forth. But as we all know, at some point, we're going to have to go into a recession. That's just an economic fact of life. It's just a part of the, the business cycle. Um, I wish I knew exactly when it was so I could tell everybody and look like a genius. I don't. Uh, but it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Um, so be prepared because uh, all these companies that are doing really, really well now uh, may start to do mass layoffs, right-sizing, you know, whatever they want to call it when it happens, um, and, it, and it will happen. Um, and maybe just the last thing I'll say, maybe just pivot off to a second, but I don't want to end this, this uh, broadcast uh, without letting people know this because it's, uh, most people don't know this, and it's very, very, very important. If you have money in a 401k or similar type retirement plan, you can use that money without tax penalty to buy a business. It's a little tricky. It requires a little bit of money to, to do that. Um, but I mention it because most people don't know that, and it could be a huge advantage for people that, again, may have worked a, a long time in a traditional corporate role, now have a very nice 401k. Um, they can use it without tax penalty to buy a business. So um, the actual mechanics, I think, is a little bit beyond the, the scope of this uh, show, especially because we're coming to the end. But for now, just be aware that you can do that. There is some very nice tax advantages, and there's some nice tax advantages of running your own business. Uh, the government is fairly decent that way as you invest in the business. And uh, there are a number of things that you can do that you actually build up your own benefits uh, by owning a business. So someday we'll have to get someone on to talk about that, Sal. Uh, so, Sal, what is the best way to contact you? Well, you can call me right on my personal cell phone. It's area code 484-358-9470. Again, 484-358-9470. Or you can email me. Uh, again, my personal email, sal, S-A-L, 459 at yahoo.com. Sal, S-A-L, 459 at yahoo.com. 
All right. And you can get a hold of the Empress of Biz by uh, telephone. The You can contact me at 412-440-6969. That's 412-440-6969. And the best email to get the Empress of Biz is empressofbiz at gmail.com. That's empressofbiz, E-M-P-R-E-S-S. O-F-B-I-Z at gmail.com. Sal, thank you for your time. Uh, I think that, um, you know, we've covered a lot of ground and still more to to cover, certainly on the tax advantage. But uh, again, uh, may you have a um, successful and prosperous year. And what's our next show, by the way? We must promote that. Yes, our next show is on the 30th. Um, We're going to be talking to Sherry Jo Watkins, um, which uh, recently wrote a book, uh, Quit Whining and Do Something. She is an author and a nationally recognized uh, motivational speaker. Um, Her book, like I said, was just published on Amazon as we speak. Um, and we're going to be interviewing her on uh, Monday the 30th at, at 10 a.m. and uh, learning more about her book, uh, her own professional journey, what motivated her to write this, the book, and uh, maybe giving people some tips to uh, be as, as successful as possible in 2020 as we start this year and, and help them achieve all their New Year's resolutions that I'm sure they all have for 2020. Okay. Thank you. This is Joanne Forster, the Empress of Biz. Uh, we uh, we invite you to uh, start thinking about what you want instead of waiting till a crisis happens and having to jump in. Again, have a uh, prosperous and fantastic year. Thank you, Sal. Thank you for having me on your show. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.